One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. <sighs> it's been a fucked up week for yours truly, and I'm so glad to be here in the safe, warm bosom of murder. Yeah, me too. Right? Yeah. I mean, my week hasn't been fucked up, really. It's just been long. <laughs> it's yeah. It's Tuesday. I don't think there's anybody on the planet that's like... Well, no, there's probably lots of people that had the best week of their life. But anyway, it's a challenging time. It's an extra challenging time. And I'm grateful for you guys. And I'm going to mm-hmm. shut up about it and let my sister tell you a story. A terrible, terrible story. It is indeed a terrible tale, as per usual. As per usual. Tonight, we'll talk about the murder of Ethan Walton and kidnapping of Amanda Burney. Oh, double feature. In September 2010, 19-year-old Ethan Walton and his girlfriend, 20-year-old Amanda Burney, were preparing for their future. They were high school sweethearts who started dating their senior year. The two, quote, meshed well and liked to take care of each other. Ethan was in the process of selling a piece of family-owned property to have money set aside for his future. There was no doubt Amanda would be a part of his plans. They looked forward to getting married in the next few years and starting a family together. Ethan grew up in a large family as the oldest of more than seven kids. I know one of those where it's like a mixed family, so there's a lot of half and step siblings. Uh He was born in Washington State, but grew up in Urbana, Oklahoma until moving to Prague for high school. He was known as a, quote, goofball. He was described as the happy-go-lucky type who did his best to make others happy, too. Mm. He had a wonderful sense of humor, and I'll tell you, this kid's obituary, I mean, unfortunately, it was his obituary, but it was amazing. It was like what we've talked about. I really got a sense of who he was. They did an amazing job of really getting into the details, so I'm going to tell you most of them here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, He was known as E-Man by his family and friends. As the oldest child, he, quote, played his share of practical jokes, mostly directed towards his sister's. He once sprayed cooking oil on dinner dishes his sister had washed, so her parents would continue to assign her the chore until she got it right. (gasps) That is next level. I know. I was like, ooh, Courtney never did that. If you were at the 
Patreon party, you know that I tortured Sadie with pranks as a child. Mm-hmm. But not, that is diabolical. So I smart. I love it. Yeah, and once he was caught, he told his parents he'd done it because it kept him from getting dishwater hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. No, can you imagine that little He's sneaky my guy? Angel. He's my angel. You no, know, she she washes the dishes and he goes in and sprays them. And oh my god. She, oh my god, she's so mad, I'm sure. <laughs> oh. He was also a talented athlete with the build to match. His mom, Kathleen, said that he wore 13 and a half size shoes by the time he was 14. Whoa! That's yeah. like our dad's size feet. Mm-hmm. He played football, was on the track and wrestling teams, and he also loved music. He was trained to play the saxophone, but could play just about any other instrument he got his hands on. Wow. He was also an artist who loved to draw. My God. I know. He loved to create cartoons, and he had designed the Celtic-style tattoo that he had on his arm. Ethan planned to enroll in the military soon after graduation. His mom said, quote, He was always driven to stand up and do the right thing and encourage others in his life to do the same. On September 8th, 2010, the young couple had plans to meet a man named Glendon Gauker. Ethan's dad had sold Gauker a piece of farm equipment a few months back, and now Gauker wanted to buy the property Ethan was selling, which happened to be adjacent to the land where Gauker lived. Okay, so when we talk about people whose names would frame them for murder if we were in charge. Glendon mm-hmm. Gauker. Glendon Gauker. <laughs> yes. Definitely did it. Yes, he did do it. And he's a fucking <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> yep. Could have told us all that one coming from mm-hmm. a mile away. Yep. They arranged to meet the man at his remote property located between Oklahoma City and Tulsa at 9 a.m. Mm. Amanda said that she had a terrible nightmare the night before they went to meet Gauker. In her dream, the world ended. Mm. When she woke, she told Ethan, who comforted her, but she said the terrible feeling from the dream lingered with her all morning. No, 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 no. no. Ethan and Amanda borrowed Amanda's sister's car to make the drive that morning and promised to have it back by lunchtime. They planned to be gone only a few hours. When they arrived at Gauker's home, Ethan knocked on the door, but there was no answer. So he walked around to the back of the house. Amanda decided to stay in the car. She sent Gauker a text to let him know they were there, and he replied with a simple, okay. A few minutes passed when a woman appeared next to the car, startling Amanda. She said that she was Glenn's wife, but he wasn't home. He had gone to the bank to get cash for the property deal. Ethan and Amanda, thinking Gauker would be back soon, decided to wait. After more than an hour, Glenn appeared out of nowhere. They hadn't seen him pull into the driveway. He asked Ethan to come into his shed to sign some paperwork, and once again Amanda decided to stay in the car. Thinking Ethan would only be gone a few minutes, Amanda dozed off. Unsure of how much time had passed, Amanda was startled awake by Glenn, who was knocking on the car window. Oh, telling, I'm so scared. No. Telling her they needed a witness to sign the paperwork to make the sale official. Amanda said she grabbed a pen and went off to the shed to help. Uh, trigger warning for sexual assault. Once in the shed, Amanda suddenly realized something was terribly wrong. Ugh. She could see Ethan's body on the ground in the fetal position, but before she could process what was happening, Gauker grabbed her from behind and put a hand over her mouth and a gun to her head. Oh my god. 
Once she was under his control, he raped her repeatedly in the shed. When he was finished, he put duct tape over her mouth and handcuffed her to a pole next to Ethan, who she could hear, quote, moaning and gurgling for breath. No. I know. I hate this story, you guys. Oh my god. No. He clung to life for hours, while Amanda had to helplessly sit by, unable to do anything to help him. Okay. I know. I just, when you think you've heard every level of horror, <laughs> that sucks. I know. It's so awful. Ugh, I've got chills and awful. No, it's no awful. Worst nightmare. When Gauker finally came back, he uncuffed Amanda from the pole. As soon as she was free from the handcuffs, she tried to make a run for it, but Gauker was able to catch up to her. Angrier than ever, he then carried her into the house he shared with his wife, Michelle. Once inside, he tied Amanda to his bed. Amanda said that Michelle was well aware her husband had tied her to the bed, but did nothing to help. Mm-mm. In fact, she would check on her every 10 to 15 minutes throughout the night to make sure she wasn't trying to escape. That's cool. That is Mm -hmm. an awesome thing that she Mm -hmm. participated. Mm -hmm. During this time, Amanda says she could hear Gauker moving around the property, covering up the crime. He moved their car out of view and got rid of any evidence that would show the couple had been there. He covered his tracks just in time because Amanda's sister had started to worry when Amanda and Ethan failed to return her car back to her that afternoon. Mm. Unable to get a hold of them, she decided to go to Gauker's property to check on them herself. Ah, I'm so scared. I know. (laughs) When she arrived, he came out to greet her and told her the couple had been there that morning, but had left after the sale of the property had been finalized. On their way out, Ethan told him they were heading to, quote, the city to buy a new car with his newfound wealth, but he didn't know if they planned to go to Oklahoma City or Tulsa. Amanda's sister left, thank God. Thank God. But felt like his story didn't make sense. She knew Amanda would have called her to let her know if she wasn't going to be home on time. Uh-huh. Amanda, who could hear her sister talking to Gauker, <laughs> was able to slowly untie her hands and feet slipping them back into her restraints every time Michelle would check on her. It took a few hours, but she was able to free herself. Yes! Mm -hmm. Gauker had locked her in a bedroom full of guns. (laughs) Which is not funny, but like... But it's awesome that he's that stupid. Uh, Where should we put her? Should we put her in the padded room? Uh, What about the gun bedroom? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was going to use the padded room for crafting later, so. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he's one of those... Dumbasses? That has just ever, like, guns in all of his rooms. Good point. Especially mm-hmm. the gun room. Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, but unfortunately for Amanda, none of them were loaded. Right. She found a knife and waited for someone to open the door. When Michelle came to check on her, Amanda grabbed the doorknob and started stabbing Michelle's hand, hoping she would let go of the door so that Amanda Mm -hmm. could escape. But Michelle managed to shut the door and lock her into the room once again. Still, she has a fucking knife. Like, how many Mm -hmm. rooms do you have knives in in your house? Well, it's one room. Gun slash knife room. Yes. (laughs) It's your, you know. They put her in the general weapon room. They (laughs) thought about putting her in the chainsaw room, but... Thought better of it at the last minute, so they put her in the gun and knife room. Yes. What could go wrong? No. Michelle started screaming for Gauker to come help her. Amanda knew she had to flee right away. Yeah. 
Her only way out of the room was through the pane glass window. She couldn't get the window open, so she wrapped the curtain around her hand and punched the glass until it shattered. Fuck yes, yes. Mm -hmm. She then climbed through the broken glass while completely nude and ran to the neighbors for help. As she fled, she heard someone behind her, either Gauker or Michelle, firing a gun at her. Oh my god, oh my god. No. Amanda stayed off the roads, knowing that Gauker would come looking for her, and ran a long distance through his property to the neighbor's house. I couldn't find out how far, but Uh it was super remote, so we're not talking, like, right next door. She had to, like, you know, half a mile. mile. Yeah. Yeah, A ways. Fuck. Yeah. It was enough... I mean, at least in the little show that I watched about it, they were showing the guy like driving down the road, but who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to take the recreations as fact. Mm-hmm. Once at the neighbor's house, she threw open the unlocked door, desperate for help. Luckily, the neighbor, Carolyn Adams, was home and willing to help. God, like, could you? Ima- I, I think about that too for the poor neighbor, just <laughs> having her tea or whatever, and just oh poor. God woman busting her door down like naked and probably like crazy screaming like don't take this the wrong way but i feel like i would be so happy that i was able to fulfill my destiny to help that person oh yes not happy that it was happening to that person but i would feel like you yes this is my time i just think you have the startle factor of like oh "Oh my god what's happening no yeah (laughs) Yeah. but this after the second after that i would be like come come my child oh yeah i've been i've been preparing for you for years yep no i remember i had a uh in portland ryan and i are the last place we had in portland before moving was a duplex and our neighbors had it was like three girls that shared the, the apartment and one night it was late. It was like eleven thirty. We got a knock on the door, and we we got you know answered the door, and it was our neighbor, and her back door had been left open. Uh-huh. And when she got home, she was by herself, and the door back door was open. She was scared, and both Ryan and I were like, "We're on it now! Don't you worry." <laughs> I was like, "You stay here with me," and I like brought her in, and Ryan searched the place with his yes, flashlight yes. or whatever. Yes. Yeah, it was like our shining moment. We were yes. so happy to clear her house and make That's sure she I mean. was safe. Fuck yeah. yeah. I'd be like, yep. Mm-hmm. The Lord sent you to me. Come in. <laughs> yes. You're safe this now. Is, this is definitely how Carolyn Adams, because she killed it. She's so good here. Oh, thank God. Yep. Frantic, Amanda told Caroline that she had been kidnapped and raped and that her boyfriend was still in the shed. She didn't know if he was dead or alive. Mm. Caroline called 911. During the 911 call, gunshots can be heard getting louder as Gowker got closer to the house. Shut up! Mm-hmm. Uh, if you watch the show Dead Silent, which has been my new jam, they have little snippets of the 911 call, but I couldn't find it in its entirety uh-huh. to play for us. Uh, but it's worth listening to because you really can hear. You can hear Amanda like hot talking and the neighbors on the phone, and it's really chilling. That gave me major chills. Mm-hmm. Being an absolute hero, Caroline knew Gauker was on his way to her house, so she had Amanda hide in a closet. She then went outside to meet him in her driveway. Mm-mm. Yes, badass. I know, man. When he approached the house, Caroline, cool as a cucumber, 
told him to knock it off with all the shooting and managed to convince him that Amanda was not in her house. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> knock that it off. Some, Get out of here. That is some just... country <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> I know, I know. It really is. Galker, you better get on out of here. Get her, bring her fucking hand towel or something to swat him with. <laughs> totally. God. Oh, man. So Glauker then sped away after getting shoot off the property. Thank God. After being held captive for more than 10 hours, Amanda was safe. Thank God. Mm-hmm. When a police arrived, they arrested Gauker and Michelle and found the couple's four-year-old twin daughters <gasps> to be home during the entire ordeal. <gasps> no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just four-year-old little twin babies running around. Oh. In the gun house. In the knife in house. The, in the gun and in knife the rape house. Murder house. Fuck this. Fuck them. I know. That's so awful. They searched the property and very unfortunately found Ethan's body. <sighs> Stuffed in a 55-gallon drum inside this shed where Amanda last saw him still clinging to life. God damn it. He had been severely beaten about his head. His hands had been handcuffed behind his back and his feet were taped together. Under his body in the barrel, police found Amanda's clothing. Police believed Gauker planned to bury the barrel, but ran out of time when Amanda escaped. Yes. Ethan died from blunt force trauma to his head. Oh, buddy. No. When authorities questioned Gauker, he told them it had been self-defense. Oh, yeah. Likely mm-hmm. story. He said that the couple had come in the morning to sell him the property and then came back later that night and broke into his house to rob him. Mm-hmm. He said he beat Ethan up but didn't mean to kill him. When he realized he died, he panicked and put the young man's body in the drum. He had no explanation for the rape of Amanda. Right. Mm Self-defense rape. Yeah. No one would ever buy into this terrible bullshit. Sheriff's Deputy J.T. Palmer said, quote, Our theory on that is home invasions. You don't cuff and tape them and then put them in a 55-gallon drum and seal it and tie them naked to a bed. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's not funny, but oh my God, it's like... Just the fact that that statement has to be made mm-hmm. in this world mm-hmm. is pretty fucking mm-hmm. like funny in the terrible way not funny yes. haha funny fucking terrible yep yep so gauker was charged with kidnapping multiple counts of rape including sodomy and first degree murder Oof. michelle was charged with kidnapping and drug possession oh it was also drug house too so guns knives, i mean drugs <laughs> color me not surprised right, at I mean, all even a little bit mm-hmm. what other babysitter do you need if you've got all of those things? Uh-huh. there so glenn gauker was born april 20th 1971 not much is known about his history but he did have a previous charge of quote sex with a child older than 16 mm-hmm. in wisconsin in 1993 It was also discovered that Gauker and Michelle were not only husband and wife, but also half-siblings. They shared the same father. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wowie. Yep. Michelle would later claim that Gauker, who was 10 years older than her, had molested her when she was a child, beat Mm -hmm. and raped her regularly, and forced her to marry him. She was a victim, too. Mm. 
She claimed Gauker would brag to her about killing people and committing other crimes, include firebombing a shopping center in Wisconsin. Whoa. Yep. Th- th- that actually happened? I don't know. I couldn't find anything linking right. him to a firebombing. Whoa. Yep. As part of the investigation, police submitted Gauker's DNA to CODIS to see if he was connected to any other crimes. And guess mm. what? He was, definitely. He was. Holy shit. Yep, they got two hits. The first was a 1990 cold case involving a 20-year-old woman who was kidnapped and raped in Iola, Wisconsin. She told authorities that she was walking home around 7.30 p.m. after picking up cereal at the IGA near her home. Mm. I know. The IGA has a real soft spot in my heart. Yeah. Definitely. That's such some hometown shit. Mm -hmm. She had needed something for breakfast for the next morning. God. Fuck, man. I know. Ugh. I know. Just let a girl get her fucking cereal. Please. Yep. And they specifically said it was Cheerios. Like, let her eat her Uh, goddamn Cheerios, please. On her way home, she heard the sound of someone running up behind her. When she turned around, she saw a man wearing a black mask with an opening around his eyes running full speed toward her. I wish you could see my face through this whole episode. So Uh, scary. Terrifying. Beyond. This guy sucks. (laughs) He sucks. He's the scariest one. Yes. Yes. He grabbed her around the neck and dragged her down a hill into a nearby park. He walked her through the park to a nearby golf course where he blindfolded her and told her to do as he said or he would kill her. He then raped her. When he was done, he said he knew where she lived and he would kill her if she went to the police. And then he left. No. Luckily, she didn't listen to him and went to the police for help. A rape kit was done and the evidence would sit for 20 years until her rapist's DNA was matched to Glenn Gauker. Wow. Yep. The other case Gauker was connected to was the 1992 Wywaga farmhouse murders. On March 21st, 1992, 23-year-old Tana Togstad, who worked at a cheese factory. Okay. <laughs> no. Best name. Best fucking profession. Ugh, That's sad. It's so sad. And her boyfriend, 35-year-old Timothy Mumbrew, along with Timothy's dog, were found stabbed to death at Timothy's rural farmhouse in Wisconsin. God, who is this guy? He's a fucking monster. Oh my God. The couple had been together for less than a year before they were murdered. An autopsy would later show that Tana had been raped before she was murdered, and DNA was collected at the scene. Gauker lived in Iola, only 30 minutes from the farmhouse at the time of the murder. Police say that he is a person of interest in the case, but are keeping quiet with any details and have not yet charged him for any crimes linked to their case. Saying, I know, saying they believe he was involved, but not likely the only person who helped in the crime. Hmm. Yeah. Fucking charge him. Yeah, go for it. Go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. Why not? I know. Maybe they're hoping he'll roll over on the other person. Yeah, I don't know. know. But it's that was back, I think I have the date somewhere, but it's been a while since that connection was made, and so it's sort of like, I rate y'all, let's move on. Shit or get off the pot, right? Mm -hmm. 
And you know another case that web sleuthers? <laughs> what? Like Delphi? to connect? No. But they think of an Oklahoma case that we've covered. The bomber. The <laughs> Jameson family. No way. Really? Mm-hmm. No way. Mm-hmm. So this is without any evidence. Right. <laughs> at all. There's nothing that we right. know of that connects him. But Just um, t- so the, timing. Yeah, we covered the, the Jameson family murders in episode 63. Uh, they were found murdered near Kinta, Oklahoma, which is less than two hours from Gowker lived. It's believed the Jameson family had met someone to look at property right. for sale before they right. were murdered. So was it Gowker that they met? Oh my god. And it, to me, it's sort of like, hmm, it would take something like this. Some guy who clearly just grabs opportunity as it presents yeah. itself. Yes. Like, I don't believe that he went, you know, what I don't know, with Ethan. He don't, didn't know that Ethan was going to bring his girlfriend. And there wouldn't have been any reason to murder him otherwise you know he right. just sort of took the opportunity to kill a guy so that he could take amanda right um so unless that, you know, he asked ethan to bring amanda as a witness and that was this whole thing yeah, so maybe he be. said always said bring your wife bring your girlfriend mm-hmm. so that we have a witness to the sale that would make sense mm-hmm. so, fuck so in 2012 michelle pleaded guilty to accessory to murder kidnapping and drug charges and was sentenced to 20 years in prison but for reasons that are not clear she was released in 2017 after only (gasps) serving five years of her sentence and i looked and looked and looked and looked i tried to see if she was on facebook i I could not find her there was that was i found one article that was like oh yeah they let her go um i couldn't find the family's response to that i it just wasn't really covered wild um but I do know that she had planned to testify against Gauker. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they looked at her case. I don't really know. I don't know right. why they let her go. But um, yeah, she only well, served five years. She was also a victim, too. Yeah, for sure. Which is complicated. But yeah, she's fucking been abused by this piece of shit, too, for all these years. Um, mm-hmm. I have a lot yeah, of and her children were in the house. And Ugh. I mean, like, I get it. I think that she needed to to do some time yeah um probably but i'm i'm honestly not i don't know that's why i would like to know what the family thinks i would have liked to have found some more information i don't yes um did were they okay with her being released was she you know just in general i couldn't find a lot of information about you know other than what she said as far as you know having been abused by him for Mm -hmm. ever for a very long time yeah you know which i have no reason not to believe right um, so anyway, Glenn Gauker eventually took a plea deal after Ethan's family agreed to take the death penalty off the table. Ethan's mom, Kathleen, had wanted Gauker to be put to death, but when authorities from Wisconsin came to her asking for her to allow the plea deal so he could be charged with crimes they believed he committed in their state, she agreed. And then they didn't fucking arrest him and charge him for those. Well, he, he got charged for the... what. Rape, but not for the murder. Not yet. Wild. Wild. I know. She wanted others to get justice, too. During his sentencing hearing, Kathleen cried as she thanked the court and everyone who investigated her son's murder and brought his killer to justice. Quote, These selfish and moral acts have been like a boulder, she said. It has forever altered this family. 
these godless, murderous, incestuous, child-molesting serial killers robbed Ethan of life. Gawker let him die in a lingering, painful, tearful way when he shoved him in a 55-gallon drum. These godless crimes have taught this family to hate, she said. This set of crimes has cost me hope we don't trust anymore. Mm, That is so tragic. It's so sad. It's so sad. And it's so honest. Yeah. Well, and it's like the worst nightmare because I, we've talked about this all the time. I would like to believe that if the worst thing happened to me, that I could somehow be okay someday, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I could. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, like, how do you take your, she lost her sweet Ethan, you know, the goofball, the guy who's, you know, it's going to make me cry, but like, yes. How do you, how do you move on from that? I just don't think you do. So Gawker was then sentenced to six life sentences to run consecutively. Okay. Yep. One for murder, one for kidnapping, one for rape, one for sodomy, one for gun, and another for drug possession. Fuck him. Fuck him. Good. Yep. Ethan's mother said if her son's death brings other families some peace in knowing what happened to their families, then she feels he didn't die in vain. That's a good perspective. It is. And then I was like, we need to charge him in the farmhouse murders. Yup. Amanda Burney says she still deals with depression and PTSD from her experience. She hopes to help others who have suffered from traumatic events by sharing her story. As much as she wishes Ethan was still alive, she's proud of how she handled that horrible day and how strong she was to be able to escape from the monsters who kidnapped her. Epically. 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 Cinematically, even. What the fuck, you little badass? Yes, you are a fucking hero. Yeah. And that is the story of Ethan Walton and Amanda Burney. I know. Wow. Once again, how do we not know every single story like that? That is Mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. It really is. And that there's like multiple stories similar to this is just super chilling. (laughs) Super chilling. Just a serial killer, just casual serial killer. Just killing boyfriends, raping girlfriends, Mm -hmm. getting away with it for years. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Yep. Yeah, I sent this story to, for to Megan to read through, and she said, "I'm gonna pull it up." Oh yeah, she said, "Oh my god, she thought it was gonna be the Todd Colehep story, the guy that had the woman in the shipping container." Mm-hmm. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. She was like, "I thought that's what the story was," and it's she's right. It's so similar. Her yeah. boyfriend was killed, and she was held captive. And yeah, yeah, yuck! No, it's his awful cousin. Old Glenn <laughs> Gowker. <laughs> oh, uh, don't be such me. a Gowker. It's going to be my new put, put down. Yeah. So if Amanda Bernie ever listens to this, you yep. are a fucking treasure. You did so well. And yes. you did everything you could to help Ethan. Yep. You are a treasure. Had you not escaped... Who knows? You saved so many lives. Yep, and not just your own. Brought so much closure and justice. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I hope you're Fuck. incredibly proud of yourself and have some strength in that awful, awful experience. Ugh. Oh. Good one. Good one, horror hour. God. 
<laughs> no, I have to stop watching the Dead Silent because all the stories are so scary. It's like you're I survived. Well, she was on I survived too, but I couldn't. I survived. This is if you guys are listening, producers of I survived. Bring back all the old episodes, please. It's one of my or favorites. don't because that show They're is so the scariest show on mm-hmm. television ever of all yeah, time. It really is. Um, but I would have loved to have just watched. I would love the way they do it. You know, just listen to her tell her story. Yes. Um, but I couldn't. It wasn't available for for streaming. So yeah. I couldn't find it. Yeah. Or do bring it back. God, that show's so good. But it it's is so, so good, good because it, it's so scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of the few true crime shows back in the day that I'd have to, especially if I was like watching alone at night, I have to turn it off because I get too scared. Yeah. I almost can't. I can't do a lot of them. Mm-mm. Which says a lot. I can do anything, mm-hmm. right? I can do yeah. like fucking Serbian torture horror and stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't. I mean, not really. I can kind of do it with one eye open, but mm-hmm. I have done. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, and I like how they they like cut it. They have like a terrible, you know, rape attempted murder story, and they they cut it in with like a cougar attack to like light it up or something but it's still equally as awful oh i know, I know. <laughs> like oh. sophie's choice over here like what what which, which would i rather no neither <laughs> neither turn it off none of them yeah turn on million dollar mm-hmm. listing or something horrible <laughs> seriously fuck oh. well oh. good job thank you and if we want to talk about other horrible things we have a listener letter to share yes yep i definitely want to so i'm going to preface this i mean this letter is amazing and very honest and very heartfelt and i'm going to preface it by saying if you're a trump supporter you should just turn off the show Mm -hmm. right now because i have very very i just don't think i'll be able to help myself um we did an episode i mean we talk about trauma a lot it's you know it's the whole point of the show Mm -hmm. um it was specifically about PTSD, and we were talking about PTSD treatment. Oh, and speaking of which, I immediately went to psychedelics when we were talking about PTSD and veterans. Skipped right on over EMDR therapy. <laughs> Apologies. Yeah, maybe we could start there. The therapy we're talking that about, has... Sorry, we're talking about episode 72, the story of Wayne Feld, the Vietnam vet. Right, which is yep. a fucking great story. Really devastating, but... I have a friend who is working in psychedelics and trying to legislate, you know, them being legal or at least able to test with because they're highly effective as treatment, treated like for treatment of PTSD. But I skipped over EMDR therapy, which multiple of my friends and loved ones have, mm-hmm. I mean, people who are extremely close to Sadie and I have done, part, they've participated in, and it has completely kind of shifted their relationship with their trauma Mm -hmm. to the point that some of them I I know would say it completely changed their life and their, but specifically their relationship with their trauma and just a quick breakdown of what it is. It basically uh, simulates REM sleep while you're awake. And I don't know the specifics of why it works, but essentially the way it's been explained to me is that your brain, if you experience trauma, your brain desperately wants to return to the trauma. So that's where like panic responses come from and panic attacks and anxiety. It's sort of your feeling out of control with your brain returning to the memories of the trauma over and over again. And EMDR essentially allows you, and I'm, you know, oversimplifying it, but 
essentially allows you to go back to the trauma on your own time. Like you have control over whether or not you access those traumatic memories. They they talk about how you can, it's like you, you get to choose to visit it rather than it just being in your house all the time. Exactly. So you can file it away essentially. So it actually puts it in a safe place so that it can't come and get you. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very effective form of therapy. So I thought of that after the fact. It's like, (laughs) I don't know why I didn't think of it either. (laughs) Right. I'm like, yeah. Mushrooms, ma- microdose. No, just go find an EMDR therapist. The highly effective form of therapy. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, specifically for PTSD. Because <laughs> yes. So this listener wrote, okay, you ladies asked about PTSD. So I thought I'd share a bit. I'm realizing this may be a long email. So pull up a chair and grab a beer. I'm an active duty army pulmonary critical care doc and have been since 2004. I deployed to Afghanistan in 2015. In some ways it was a great experience and in some ways it was awful. The army in its infinite wisdom, um, no in parentheses, decided to give me a 15 day heads up that I would be leaving. Thanks so much for that. My wife and I had planned a late spring summerish wedding, but decided to do the JP quick one quote, just in case JP meaning justice of the peace. And I left two weeks later. By the way, I don't recommend that part. It sucked. It's so, so it sad. Sucks. But I saw a bunch of shit I wish I'd never saw. I, I'm i that doc that loves sick shit. I love trauma. Blood and guts are cool. And scalpels are just fun. Inappropriate, I know. But stuff that's great for me and it is a result of other people's worst days. We all cope in different ways. And I never disrespect patients. Mm-hmm. Thank God for people who love guts and trauma. You have to. Right? You have to. We need yeah. people that love guts. I love guts. I've always been fascinated Ooh. by like the anatomy and stuff. I yeah. could not be more anti-gut. And I wish I could so that I could mm-hmm. help save people's fucking lives. Seriously. No, I, I'm, I'm happy that doctors like guts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pro gut love. they love Pro. my guts. If they yes. have to see them out of my body. <laughs> Brace them. Yes. Um, a quote, Mazcal which stands for massive casualty is when the number or severity of your patients overrun your resources. I was involved in four total mascals. That's when you start triaging patients who can be saved and who can't one part of the military medicine that no one else understands is the category of X literally X. That means the person cannot be saved even if currently alive. That's a seriously fucked up concept and it will break your brain. You honestly inject them with morphine and put them to the side, moving on to someone that at least has a chance. If you're not appalled, you're just not paying attention. You can't make this shit up. One afternoon, there was a huge gunfight, and ten guys came into our station blown to bits and full of holes. The first most seriously injured soldier was put on the first trauma table, and my doc partner declared him X, and the medics gave him morphine and put him into the back room. After 20 to 30 minutes, when the fur calmed, I went back to declare him dead. He had two massive holes in his chest, massive enough to put a basketball through. I did my exam and declared him dead. The padre said a prayer and we all went back to work. I was unable to look at his face as it was just too personal an action and I felt it was a violation of space to look him in the eye. Or maybe I was too scared. I still don't know. Later that evening, I learned it was one of their own medics. One of my own team. He had been in my office joking around just a few days ago. Memorial Day has a new meaning, and I honor and think about him every year. 
I get so angry when people think about Memorial Day as a three-day drinking weekend when one of my team members is dead. My brain screams and my soul cries when I see people drinking and partying. Just the other night, six years later, I saw him in my dream and I couldn't fix him now either. That part of the dream was commingled with other various traumas and horror I saw over there and left me angry and confused. So how did it affect me? I'm a very different person now than six years ago. When I first got back, I could not be near or in a close space with any more than a few people. There would be a moment when an inner spring broke and I'd run from the room sweaty and shaking. My wife is incredibly understanding and has a psych and RN background and fully supported me. My peers understood, as did everyone I ran into. PTSD understanding has come a long way since the Vietnam era. Those poor people got royally fucked as, and their trauma persists. Many are now trapped, trapped in alcoholism, trapped in homelessness, trapped in their own minds, away from the rest of civilization. I learned to wall off parts of my brain. I know that's a doctor thing, but find it protective for my PTSD as well. I can, quote, take it out of the box when I need to, or I'm feeling safer on the people I trust and can share. Sharing helps ease the angst. Being fairly well-educated, I sought help and found a way to reintegrate both within myself and within society. So many others, young testosterone-fueled soldiers, for example, find that a weakness and their trauma lingers unaddressed and worsening. However, the more severe trauma and PTSD that no one truly understands outside of, quote, my people, is what happens to us after COVID deployments. If you haven't been there, you just can't understand. I've now gone to Texas and California during their surges when they're completely overwhelmed. As an ICU doc, I only see the intubated patients and I'm surrounded by a true horror, a horror that can't be described. 97% of my patients die. Mm. Stop and think about that number for a moment. 97 per fucking cent. I can think of five patients out of hundreds that walked out of the hospital. I've declared hundreds of people dead in three months. The trauma this creates is unheard of in the history of civilization. What's of more concern is the loss of empathy for care workers. Gone are the parades and hero welcomes. Now support is dwindling for those still in the fight. The nurses who care for these patients, knowing full well they're going to die. The doctors that intubate the patient, knowing mine is the last face he'll ever see. How the fuck do I return to my day-to-day clinic or low-acuity ICU after that? Everything about myself, my perspective, and patient outlook has changed. No other patients are, quote, sick anymore. How do I explain to my residents that I no longer think a, quote, regular patient is sick, even if they're critically ill? How can I bring my own empathy back? No one has yet explored how this group of healthcare workers can reintegrate back into the, quote, real world. My brain is splintered, and I don't think I'll ever get my old self back. I'm broken. Ugh, God. No. Part of my brain screams silently and nonstop. Part of it thrashes around like an angry toddler. Irritability is the new normal. Part of me stupidly thinks that the more and faster I quit, the faster I'll heal. This is a silent part of PTSD, the part that's not yet explored. Makes me fear for my own sanity and for that of my coworkers. We feel so immeasurably stressed, distressed, and strung together with duct tape and string waiting for normalcy to return. I think I'll start to feel better once society's normalcy starts to return with sane reopening and mass vaccinations. 
Once we can all breathe again, literally and figuratively, I think I can start to unwind and my soul can start to re-expand once again. Thanks for asking. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I know. Fucking. Ugh. Ugh. Yep. So, as much as I want to rage at that piece of shit president that we had recently... Yeah. Um, I think it just takes away from yeah. them sharing their story. But fuck Trump, first of all. <laughs> right. And also, thank you for sharing that. So so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the work that you do. I just... Yes, all of you. <laughs> yep. It's, as it starts to feel like COVID is calming down, yep. hopefully... Um, I've had more time to reflect on the loss and the trauma and reading that email really sort of like brings it home big time. Um, So to all of you, those that have been helping us in the hospitals in particular, thank you. (sighs) And to anyone who's lost somebody because of this horrifying disease. So sorry. So sorry. So now we just all sit and cry for a little while. I know. <laughs> no. Oh, but thank you so much for emailing us. It really means everything. And yeah, it really does. It was a very powerful thing to yeah. read. Like very sobering alone. and very powerful. No. Nope. Yeah, you're not alone. And thank you for your service. And thank you for more of your service. <laughs> Jesus, seriously, oh. we are so lucky to have these heroes. Fuck yeah. I mean, people who love guts and people who want to fight to fucking keep me in my happy little bubble. <laughs> I know. Are you kidding me? I know. I have to complain about sitting around and staying in the house. I know. Oh. I know. Oh. But oh, yeah. very grateful. Very grateful for all of you and for this beautiful community of people who have rallied around us and share shit like that. Trust us to share shit like that. Give us permission to share it with the world. And, Mm -hmm. uh, we love you guys so much. And, um, the other thing you do is send us names. Yeah. Let's do it. I think we all need it. I do definitely need it. And you guys have had a very, very fucking hard week. And (laughs) it's like Maisie who, what's that site called discord? (laughs) Discord. I'm never going to remember. I've just had a very fucking intense couple of weeks, so I haven't even had time to go on to my own social media site. But Maisie's our administrator. She's our very, very good friend for billions of years. She and her husband, Carlos, her family, sent me a bag of my favorite tortilla chips that you can't get out of outside of the West Coast. I got those today, and it was like... (laughs) I can taste them. I can just like... They're so oily and crunchy and salty. Yeah. You gotta save me, like, just put, like, three in a bag. I'm going oh, up yes. there this weekend, so put three in a bag. It's a giant family-sized bag. We're good. <laughs> I can hold I mean, off for four days. I know how much you love chips and salsa, so I, I don't need many. Just one or two. <laughs> yeah. Well, that came this week. And then you guys send me these names, and it's just always so perfectly timed where I'm, like, yes. super struggling. And then you send me a name like... Well, there was a couple that got married, and his last name was How, and her last name was We Met. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky. 
Um, Ryan's wiener. <laughs> Great. It's a coworker's client of this. Pro- Somebody sent us like four. That was a coworker's client. Fred and Mary Butts. Oh. <laughs> uh, there was somebody named Crystal Bowling and got married and became Crystal fucking Bowling Ball. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, they're not. <laughs> is this real life? It is. <laughs> and there's somebody, I like, I almost don't believe that this is true, but I don't know why you'd lie to me. Mike, <laughs> last name Literus. <laughs> I feel like I need to look that up, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to let it live in the mystery of the fucking universe. And last but not least, I don't, maybe maybe my new favorite. I mean, Cindy Pancake is always the number one, but Sparkle Tinkle. Sparkle Tinkle. Oh, shit. Oh my god. Uh, thank Just, you guys for sending those to us. <laughs> the beauty in this world is immeasurable. The horror <laughs> and the beauty in this world uh, are both immeasurable. It really is. <laughs> Sparkle tinkle. Um do you want to do some more names of yeah! our patrons? Yes. Yes. Just a couple. So the first one we have, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, and usually if I don't know, I try to go look it up, right? Yes. So, that I can be helpful and respectful. Totally. Um, But this name doesn't seem to exist other than by this person. So in our patron. Already a badass. Already a badass. Such a badass. So thank you so much to Sarayan S. 100% a badass. Also probably like a mystical warrior. Seriously mystical warrior. If I am butchering your name. Are you kidding me? Will you please tell me? Who forged your sword? Did you have to train to receive the sword and then further train to use the sword to its full potential? Yes. Were there mountains involved? Do you have an animal familiar, like an animal that protects you from things? I mean, 100% yes. Good. Yes. Uh, if it's not Sarayan, please tell me what it is. It and is I now. Say it again. I don't think you should not be Sarayan. Right. I think I'm in get another baby in my life somehow and name it Sarayan. Yeah, and forge it a fucking sword and teach it how to use it with a, <laughs> and a falcon wolf. or a wolf. Yes. Yep. Uh, thank you so much to James H. James hella fuck yeah yeah. <laughs> Crack a yeah. beer. Mm-hmm. Pump a fist. Drink it. Yes. And last or a soda not- if you're sober. I support sobriety. Yeah, man. I don't have actually to, you don't have brings... to drink alcohol to be tough and cool. I just want to yeah. be clear. I, I it just reminded me of a dream that I had last night where I was drinking like a no cal light, no alcohol Budweiser or something, and I was Fun. like, what the "Fuck, am I doing?" Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> just a bummed out dream, but just drinking not alcoholic beer. <laughs> No calories. It was very specific. No calories. <laughs> I, was, I, was eating, I was just drinking beer flavored water. <laughs> Pump 
my brain. Why? I don't know. It's the world we live in right now. Oh, my brain's so tired. That's worse than a stress dream. Oh, this beer sucks. It's not even beer. That's the worst dream I've ever heard. Shit. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> you know what's not the worst dream you've ever <laughs> what? heard? What? <laughs> our, our last patron of this week. Thank you so much to Leah. <laughs> oh, Leah. <laughs> Leah. Uh, don't go Period. drink beer water. <laughs> don't go drink a beer. Leah would never. Leah no, drinks she's fine. Way too smart for that. Fine wines, but not even just fine wines, like, uh, and not in a snobby way. Like, in a way where you go to the store and you can just tell, like, at Trader Joe's, you can tell that the two-buck chuck is, like, a specific vintage that they had too much of. You know, like, one of those mm-hmm. kinds of people. Totally. Cool about it. So cool about it. Brings the thing to the party, and it's, like, the perfect thing every time. <laughs> That's Leah. Yep. You know? Yeah, I do. I know. Like, it looks like she dresses, she just walks into her closet and twirls around, and it's... <laughs> it's perfect. Random shit. It makes sense yep. together. Mm-hmm. Totally. When I try that, I look like I've escaped from the LDS crick. <laughs> when I try it, I look like I'm going to Walmart. <laughs> same same vibe. Yeah. Yep. Same family of... Yeah. Uh, Not God. Leah. No. She looks like a fucking teenager in the Bronx. Which is good. That's a good thing. They're fashion. I sitting on the subway in New York City just being like, how, what? How? Uh-huh. You're 14. Like, how do you know how to dress like that? That's weird. Yep. That's how Leah dresses. Yeah. Yep. Right. Thank you guys so much for your support. Seriously. It makes such a difference. <sighs> if you couldn't tell. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we love you so much. You do. And um, we're all over on the Instagram Twitter, yep. Facebook at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com. You can email us, theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Yep, I got that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, please. Yeah! And thank you, AJ Burgans, for our music. Thank you so much. And remember, mm, fuck Trump. Just fuck yeah. that guy. Fuck this guy. I'm just going to go ahead and remember to say fuck that guy. Yeah, seriously. He is bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you are good, and we love you. We love you so, so much. much. Thank you and for listening. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. 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 Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.